Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places. If you're ready for an epic family vacation, there's no better place than sunny Orlando. Exciting thrills, never-ending food festivals, fresh new dining experiences, outdoor adventures, and Florida's natural springs, and so much more. Orlando has it all. And Visit Orlando's vacation planners can help you plan the perfect trip. In Orlando, anything is possible, if you can imagine it. And that's what makes Orlando unbelievably real. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. Good Morning Football is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. Good Morning Football! Everyone, welcome to Good Morning Football. It's Tuesday, May 17th. I'm Jane Slater, joined by Kyle Brandt, Peter Schrager, and Super Bowl champion, Mike, Rob, just seeing the eggs this morning got me all hungry. But I've had my oatmeal. I hope you guys have been fed. Let's get into this time for some lead block stuff. Lead block. Lead block. block. Let's go. Lead block time. There we go. All right. Let's start up north in Green Bay, where yesterday the Packers made their pro bowler, Jair Alexander, the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. He agreed to terms on a four-year, $84 million deal, guys. $31 million this year. Another 30 and a signing bonus. Just a huge payday in Green Bay. And by the way, that's all part of what's been an interesting offseason for the Packers, to say the least. Arguably the best receiver in the league left for Vegas, but they made some nice pickups on both sides of the ball through the draft. So let's do a little temperature check up in Wisconsin. Are the Packers a top five team in the NFL right now? That's a tricky question, Jane, just simply because if the Packers weren't in the NFC, I don't know if I would regard them as one of those teams, right? Because when I look at top teams in any conference, okay, will you be one of the top three or four teams left at the end? And I think when you look at the NFC, Green Bay can be that. So I'm going to say yes just to answer the question, but you can't lose a player like a Devontae Adams and not think that it's going to affect your offense and not think it's going to affect your team at some point. I've said I've been on record by saying the reason why that Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers lost this la- lost in this last playoffs is because Aaron Rodgers was looking so much for Devontae Adams. I think he had like 17, 18 targets, something like that, and rightfully so. Let me show you guys just how much – Devontae Adams meant to this offense. Look at the receptions. Over 50% of the receptions went to Devontae Adams. Look at the yardage. Over 1,500 yards. 50% of the yards went to Devontae Adams with 11 touchdowns. Almost over over 40% of the passing touchdowns, okay, went 
to Devontae Adams. You can't lose a guy like this, a guy that you can put in a slot, a guy you can put on the outside, a guy that it doesn't matter if the defense has a shutdown corner or not. It doesn't really matter the coverage, right? How many times have we seen Aaron Rodgers just dropping the ball in the bucket uh, to a Devontae Adams with double coverage and all of those types of things? So to answer the question, I'm going to say yes. Yes, they are one of the top okay. teams in the National Football League. But the story about the Green Bay Packers will not be told until they get to the playoffs, until we see Aaron Rodgers yeah. and, these, and this group get past the NFC Championship. Uh, for him to be such a great arm and only have one Super Bowl win, to me, that's a tragedy. The truth of the matter is I look at that team and I look at that head coach who has a career regular season winning percentage of 796, the greatest ever for any coach no. through the amount of games he's coached. And I look at that player and the fact they've went 13-3 and three in the regular season the past three years, and I'm like, yeah, in May, I'll put them in the top five. What's that matter? Because to Michael's point, come January and December, LaFleur and Rodgers together, they're two and three. They are under 500 in playoff games despite 13-3 and three, three straight years. Adams is a huge loss, but they'll be in the mix. They will, and they're top five, sure, sure. I'll give you top five. January, they gotta go into LA. Are they beating Stafford in that Aaron Donald-led defense? I don't know. God forbid they have to face the 49ers in the playoffs, either place, home or away. Are they beating the 49ers in the playoffs, Jair Alexander or not? I don't know. And then you look at Tampa and Tom Brady. Is, is Rodgers going up against Tom Brady in a playoff game and beating him? I don't know. So, yes, top five team, I'll give you that. I don't know if there's any parade being given up in Green Bay with me saying that. The fact of the matter is, though, I think they've got one of the best young coaches in NFL history, and they've gone 13-3 and in the last three regular seasons. That gets my respect. None of this matters until we talk January football with these guys. Peter, we're dancing around it. Let's wake the people up and make some TV. You're talking your top five, top five. Who's your top five right now? Give me a top five. Take a deep breath and give it. Okay, I'll get the Rams and the Bucks are in the mix. I'm not going to rank them, but the Rams and the Bucks are in the mix. I think the yep. Bengals and the Bills, and then the Packers and the Chiefs. You find uh -huh. your, there's your six. You find out how you want to order them, but I, I think they're in that top five. That is your six, and yet here I'm going to lay out mine just like Peter did. The Rams are in, the Bills are in, the Chiefs are in. I'm going to put the Bengals in based on their young talent and what they accomplished last year. And then I'm at a crossroads, folks. We're talking top fives in May. Do I give a spot to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Packers? I'm giving it to the Buccaneers. The, my answer to the question is no. The Packers are not a top five team. Top five is rare air. This is a great NFL right now. we got a lot of good quarterbacks, a lot of good complete teams who play defense, who play special teams, who kept their stars, who acquired new stars on offense. So no, I'm not. The last couple times the Packers have played the Buccaneers, no. I'm not going to sit here and make Tampa Bay wake up and say that I'm putting the Packers in the top five. I also am still not exactly sure what this manifestation of the Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers is going to be. All right, so they got a lot of talent on defense. That sounds fine. They're going to run the ball. That sounds pretty good. Answer me this. They're in a shootout with the Rams. They're in a shootout with who knows, with, with Tampa in the playoffs. It's 38 to 35. When you go to the box score, per pull up the box score of the Green Bay Packers wide receiving. Who's putting up the big numbers? Who's having 130 and two touchdowns? I don't see that player out there. I don't think Alan Lazard is that player. Is Christian Watson just going to come out of North Dakota State and be like, yeah, I'm a pro bowler. I got this NFL thing. No, pro I don't think so. I don't know if they are equipped to put up those kinds of points. I, I Listen, I think Rodgers is the best quarterback ever. I don't think they're a top five team, though. There, there's too many good teams top to bottom. I think Devontae was too much. I don't think they've done enough to replace him offensively. They're going to win a lot of games.
Because they got great running backs and they got Rodgers and the Basaccia special teams are going to be great. I just wonder in those marquee games when like, you know what, we need 38 in this game. Who's getting it? Who is putting up that kind of production? I don't know that question, so I don't know in top five for Packers. I love that you bring up that point, Kyle, because all you need is Aaron Rodgers. And I'm not taking anything away from Devontae Adams, but we always bring this up when we talk about Aaron Rodgers. They've been to at least the divisional round nine of the last 12 seasons. And let's take a look at some of those wide receivers, shall we? From 2015, after Jordy Nelson tore his ACL in the preseason, we've got James Jones, who had 890 receiving yards, Randall Cobb, 829, Richard Rodgers, 510. And I would argue that he's got a better run game than he did last year. He's got a defense that's ranked in the top 10 in the last two seasons, and they just added two first-round picks. So, yes, I think this is a top-five team, and I think it's a top-five team for the reason that Peter Schrager mentioned. You've got a coach that's given them three seasons of a 13-3 and record, and then you've got Aaron Rodgers. As long as you've got that, I've got a lot of faith in this team that they'll be able to maintain that top-five status. You better than me, Jane. Mm-hmm. So you just don't see that, huh? You know, for him to be the uh, man, he got the same Super Bowls that I got. Come on now. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. He's drinking his hot tea or coffee, whatever that is over there. He's just saying. All right. Uh, the NFL's mm-hmm. ongoing investigation into Deshaun Watson seems to be coming to a critical point this week. Our own NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport has all the details. NFL officials spent most of Monday in Houston with Brown starting quarterback Deshaun Watson interviewing him for their investigation into allegations of sexual assault and sexual misconduct. This is a significant development for Watson and, of course, for the Cleveland Browns. Generally, the way the NFL does things is the subject of the investigation is often the last to be interviewed. That could signal that the NFL's investigation into Watson is coming to a close. From what I understand, this interview, which of course took place on Monday, should last into today and then potentially into Wednesday as well. Watson has been fully cooperating with the NFL on their investigation. As for the league, they declined comment, saying that his matter still is under review. The Cleveland Browns have OTAs coming up in a little more than a week. Remains to be seen if Watson will be there, although assuming his investigation, his interview comes to a close, he should be. Anyway, for Deshaun Watson for the Cleveland Browns and the NFL, a significant, significant development when it comes to his off-the-field matters. Welcome back. We've got West Coast Will checking in from the Culver City newsroom. Will, what you got for us this morning? What's going on there, Jane and guys? Could potentially we see another future Hall of Fame quarterback return or unretire, as I should say, according to a New York Post report. Drew Brees leaving NBC after one year, but he certainly want to clarify his future in a social media post. Breeze had said that he's currently undecided on his future, saying he may still work for NBC or that he may even play football again. Of course, that last part got some wondering if he would return to the Saints. Well, new head coach Dennis Allen addressing it at a charity golf tournament, and he's not buying into these rumors. My wife's the one that told me about it because I don't follow social media. So I thought, well, that's interesting. That'll bring up some questions tomorrow at the golf tournament. So, (laughs) yeah, but certainly, you know, I I think it was a comment made in jest and we certainly hadn't had any conversations in that regard. 
In other news, the present and the future of the Eagles D-line hanging out. Rookie first-round pick Jordan Davis posing for a pick with the vet Fletcher Cox. That's a lot of beef in the middle of that Philly defensive line. And Cox, not a small man, six foot four, 310 pounds, while Davis is 6'6 and 340 pounds. Jane, this is begging for a picture with you and those gentlemen. They are tall and they are massive men. <laughs> All right, so we talked about Fletcher Cox, Jordan Davis. Nice. Thank you, Will. They're certainly going to cause some problems for opposing offenses this season. So I want to get into this with you guys. Peter, which new defensive duo do you expect to wreak the most havoc in 2022? You know, Von Miller left for Buffalo, and there was this giant void of who's going to be this guy to be run, running mates with Aaron Donald on that defense. And then after a couple of weeks, Bobby Wagner signed with the Rams. I'm talking about two icons now linking arms, Aaron Donald and Bobby Wagner. I know that one of them plays one position, the other one plays the other position, but I think it's pretty darn cool that Bobby Wagner is going to be playing on the same defense as Aaron Donald. You can make the argument that Aaron Donald's the greatest defensive lineman of his generation. And as all you Luke Keekley fans are, are about to pierce your ears or, or maybe some Darius Leonard fans, and if you're out there and you're a Fred Warner fan or a Bowman or a Willis fan, you might close your ears. You can make the argument numbers-wise and impact-wise up there in Seattle. Over the last decade, Bobby Wagner's been the best linebacker in football. You take the best defensive lineman and the best linebacker, you add in, if you want a trio, the best cornerback, who what I think Jalen Ramsey is, you're talking about icons, legendary icons and future Hall of Famers on one defense. I can't wait to see Bobby Wagner in that Rams uniform. As weird as it might seem, he's coming in and he's coming in motivated. He wants to prove Seattle wrong. And he thinks that they handled that situation pretty poorly. No better place to be than the Rams where they can go beat up on Seattle and the guys that let him go. Peter, I don't have any icons, but you know what I got? I got some New York Giants. You remember the New York Giants? Remember when they used to just kick ass and have great defensive linemen and guys who would sack the quarterback and terrify the quarterback? They're trying to build that again. I'm going to go with Leonard Williams, the big man, and Kayvon Thibodeau. Let's get, let's get excited, Big Blue. Let's do something about this. And I like this duo. The kind of veteran who's huge and the young guy who's got a lot to say and who's super fast. I also like this. I like this schedule. This is hashtag check the schedule season. So this is kind of this sleepy little opener, Giants at Titans. No, the first match for Williams and Thibodeau, and especially Thibodeau, could be 25 carries for Derrick Henry, who stayed on the shelf for most of last season, is gonna be pissed and fresh and ready. And if you look up some of the draft critique, and it wasn't just all about his personality, there was a little bit of worry that Thibodeau might be a little bit light. Can he handle the big uh, offensive lines in the NFL? Can he handle the run games? I'm gonna find out right away. And believe me, the New York Giants fans who were reared on LT and Strahan and OC, they love defensive linemen almost as much as they love offensive linemen. So the fact that there's now two of them, big dudes, big personalities in a big spot, I look forward to these guys bringing some big buzz back to Big Blue. What do you got, Mike? I'm going to go out to Los Angeles and Peter, no, not the Los Angeles Rams, the Los Angeles Chargers, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack. I can't even believe I'm saying that in the same sentence. These guys, it should be illegal to have both of these pass rushers on the same team. First of all, Joey Bosa is already used to getting um, the team's best blocker, the left tackle of an of, of opposing offense. He's already used to getting opposing offenses, sliding offensive lines to him and tight ends and backs to chip. Now, an opposing offense has to worry about Khalil Mack 
on the other side who definitely imposes his will on blockers. I mean, you talk about Khalil Mack, almost 80 sacks in his career, 103 tackles for loss, and 136 quarterback hits. Both of these guys are dominant. Both of these guys can take over games. Oh, and if you want to add a third guy, uh, Peter, just to kind of match your top three personalities, J.C. Jackson on the back end, who's been, guys, literally one of the best cover guys in the National Football League for the last four years. What is it? What, 25 interceptions since 2018 and 17 over the last two years when he wasn't a surprise anymore. He can literally take away your opposing receiver and allow uh, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa just to be in motorcycle stances to go right after the quarterback. So, you know, I love on paper what I say out of this Los Angeles Chargers defense, they're going to be a formidable duo to deal with for any offense this year. I'm going to go the Las Vegas Redes. I'm talking about Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. Now, when you look at Chandler Jones over the last 10 years, he's at 107.5 sacks. That's over the last 10 seasons. The most in the NFL over that span. His sack rate, fourth best all time since sacks became an official stat back in 1982. And then let's talk Max Crosby. He's had the most QB pressures the entire league over the past two years. So I think you put these two guys together. I think you're going to see a formidable duo there in Las Vegas. All right, well, Mac Jones is hoping to make a second-year leap in 2022. Will it be enough to compete with the rest of the AFC East? We'll talk that on GMFB. Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. 
Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to do That's my, my dance. dance. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Patriots are looking for big things from Mac Jones in year two. With the departure of Josh McDaniels, we still don't really know who's going to run the offense and comp plays off in New England. Well, former Giants head coach and current Pats offensive assistant Joe Judge was asked all about that yesterday. Coach Judge, are you working with Mac Jones? I am working with Mac, along with, you know, some other people in the offense. I'm working with all the skill group on offense. Uh, I'd say all of us are working collectively all right, as a coaching unit to work with the entire offense. So that's the most direct and, uh, you know, specific answer I could give you on that, guys. Nothing's been declared or decided or voiced to, you know, me. I know Matt's going to be the other one that gets asked or Nick Haley. So look, right now we're all just working. At, like I said, it's mostly drills and skills. We're working offensively. I do think it's critical for every coach on the offense to understand the game plan and be prepared as a play caller. Drills and skills. So still undecided. At least that's what they're saying up in New England. Meanwhile, the rest of the division, guys, really did get better. So I'm going to pose this question starting with you, Kyle. The Patriots, are they going to challenge the Bills and the New Look Dolphins this year? What are your thoughts as this division and looking at it, who stacks up? The New England Patriots fans watching this segment should throw something at the TV. The gall of this program to say, can the Patriots catch the Bills and the New Look Dolphins? The Patriots are in the playoffs last year with a rookie quarterback in this transitional year about, oh, maybe it was Brady for all those years. They were in the playoffs. The Dolphins signed a fast guy, and we're still positioning as the Dolphins are some sort of alleged frontrunner. They're the Miami Dolphins. When's the last time they've done anything? And I'm sorry, Miami fans, but I, this is for New England. The conversation here should be exclusively, exclusively above. If anything, Miami's got to catch New England, all right? And that's, the, as long as we have the pieces set properly there. And if, for me to answer this, I'm trying to look at New England, and they're always so sneaky, and, you know, they're going to do some player moves you think aren't that impressive that end up working, and you could build a case for maybe New England, and maybe Mac Jones makes the jump. And then I just see this, and I see that unholy biblical annihilation that was that playoff game in which those two teams were not playing the same sport. It was never a game. And they didn't have a thousand mile an hour winds and snow like they did earlier in the season when they beat them. So what is the case you're building that, yeah, I think they've made up this much distance in that little time. The Patriots also, they drafted another running back. They drafted wide receiver early. They got Devontae Parker. Are we set? Is that it? They got it. They can catch the Bills. I just can't get there because I don't even know what the Patriots are. I don't know if the Patriots know what the Patriots are. We just had a a typically candid Joe Judge come out and say, "Eh, we don't really know who's calling the plays or we don't want to tell you. I like the running game. I like the defense. But you're not just going to Ramondre Stevenson your way through the AFC playoffs. It it doesn't work that way. There's some (laughs) big boys out there. There's some bad dudes. And I've seen a lot of Bill Belichick football games. I can't remember, and maybe you guys can. Peter, you're great with this stuff. I'm trying to think of a more one-sided big spot loss ever in the Belichick era than that was at Buffalo. I think they've done some good things, but to say they're catching up with Buffalo, like, no, it's not happening. Kyle, I agree with you. I do not think they're really catching up with the Bills. I do also think that they're going to always challenge. It's Bill Belichick. 
He's going to be smart about everything. He's going to always have his team prepared and ready. So they're, they're going to challenge. But I do think eventually the talent of these other teams just overpowers them. But that Tyreek Hill trade, that Tyreek Hill, him c- coming over to the Dolphins, that's going to add space to that offense. It's going to add playmaking ability to that offense. And I think we're going to see truly how great Patrick Mahomes is now that he doesn't have a guy like Tyreek Hill in the fold. I know we're all talking about the fact that the, the, that the Patriots don't have a play caller. And you hear Joe Judge talking about, yeah, at some point, you know, we're going to have to have a guy just prepare mentally for that. He's absolutely right. But right now in May, when teams are preparing for the season to play against the New England Patriots, what offense are they going to be studying? Who are they going to be studying? What play callers' tendencies are they going to be studying? To me, mm-hmm. Bill mm-hmm. Belichick and the Pages right now, they're providing a little bit of, a, I don't know, um, competitive advantage. They're not going to let you know exactly what schemes they're going to run. You're going to have to find out during preseason. So just by all the mystery, all the fact that Bill Belichick zigs when everybody zags. He can go back. He can convert his team to an old school style of, of football that, that, that involves pain and involves running the ball, things like that. Because he has the ability to do that, I'm never going to count the Patriots out. And yes, they will compete, but it's just too much Bills Mafia, too much Josh Allen. And I think uh, it'll be too much Miami Dolphins this year. Kyle, the answer to your question, and Scott Pioli is going to be joining us next segment. I think he was with the staff, was that opening week game when they lost to the Buffalo Bills and Lawyer Malloy and the revenge game for Bledsoe and those guys. That was the biggest loss that Belichick's had until last year's wild card round. All right, so if you're a Patriots fan and you're watching and you're like, this is, well, who is actually these coaches? Here's how I see it. And this is nothing official, but just listening to their availability. Joe Judge is going to coach the quarterbacks. This is how I think I see the offense. Matt Patricia's coaching the O-line. Troy Brown and Ross Douglas will do the wide receivers. Vinny Sanceri, you remember that name from Alabama? the running backs and Kaylee Nick Kaylee's gonna be the doing the tight ends and you've got two Belichick kids Gerard Mayo a few others on that defense and it's like where's McDaniels where's Flores where's Dave Ziegler in the front office Ernie Adams is no longer there in the basement doing the film work that to me is the most fascinating thing Mick Lombardi who was an up-and-coming offensive coach McDaniels took him with him like the field stuff we're gonna figure out the players and the Patriots they'll put out a product I'm fascinated by the coaching. Belichick is going to be able to put his players in the best positions possible. But I don't know if Joe Judge is a quarterback's coach. I don't know if Matt Patricia is an elite offensive line coach. And I certainly don't know if all of these young up-and-coming coaches are ready to step into those roles yet. So I look at the Buffalo team and on the roster side, better. I look at the Dolphins team on the roster side, better. And I think there are more answers on the coaching staffs as far as defined roles and what I think they can do as far as resumes go on both those teams. So Patriots won seven games in a row last year and Belichick was my pick for coach of the year. And they fell off a cliff at the end of the season and lost in the playoffs by about 100. It's hard for me to come on in May with all those departures to the coaching staff and say, yeah, with a second year quarterback who kind of hit the wall at the end. Yeah, they're going to be the team to beat in the AFC East. It's the Bills by a landslide. And I think the Dolphins and Patriots are right there. Not only has this team already been good, but they've continued to solidify some of these other spots that they needed to sort of round out. And then, you know, the inconsistencies in the run game, they've drafted James Cook in the second round out of Georgia. So for me, they reloaded, they got better. I I agree with you guys in the sense that you never want to doubt Bill Belichick and what he's capable of. I think he's going to make it competitive. But I just think the Bills are elite and sort of, it's their time. I think they got so close last year. Uh, and just seeing what the roster looks like at this point this year, it's hard not to uh, think that they're going to make a real run for it this year. 
Welcome back to Good Morning Football. On Tuesdays, we like to have in one of our great friends of the family, Mr. Scott Pioli. And now we are fresh off a rich and, and, and passionate Patriots talk. And I know your ears were ringing throughout that, but we still <laughs> haven't gotten your download from the three-day event that was the 2022 NFL Draft. We had you on Saturday in the morning, but I know a lot of teams did some real damage in the afternoon. I wanted to ask you, of all 32 teams, give us a draft grade and a thought on one team that really stuck out. I'm not a huge draft grade guy. You know, being a former front office guy, we always hated those grades. So I'm just going to talk about a team that I really absolutely love their draft. And I also don't think I'm in any place to give anyone grades based on some of my old grades. But I got to talk about the Baltimore Ravens yeah. because to me, I love how they let the draft come to them. They were patient. They were smart. They were thoughtful and they executed really well to sit there and wait until 14 to get the best safety in the draft. And a safety that I really think has the talent and the abilities. He could have been a top 10 pick. He's one of the best players in the draft, in my opinion. But then what I really loved also in the first round is when they made that trade with Hollywood Brown. They did a couple of things. They got salary, salary cap control in their hands, and they got the best center. So with the two first picks in the first round, they got two of the best players at their position. Then they go and get David Ajabo, who I think is going to be a player, as soon as he's healthy, is going to ascend quickly. I saw him as one of the most improving players during the entire college season last year. Then they also go get Travis Jones. But the guy that I absolutely love was a fourth round pick, Jalen Armour Davis out of Alabama. And to me, because there's so much three corner defenses that are run by teams, I see him becoming an eventual starter for the Ravens. So I think that they may have nailed it by getting four or five starters in this draft class. Real quick, let's speaking of rookies, Titans QB Ryan Tannehill recently said it's not his job to mentor the rookie QB Malik Willis. Now, I don't think he meant anything malicious by that, but still, you and I both know how the media works. It gains a little bit of negative attention. So how does the front office, the coaching staff handle a statement like that? And is he wrong for that matter? I don't think that he really meant the way things were snapshotted and the way they came out. Now, if he does behave that way, if that's how he's going to treat Malik, that will be a problem. But I go back, I've known Ryan Tannehill since he came out when he was at Texas A&M. I don't think that's who he is. I don't think that that's his personality. Here's what I do believe. I think the context in which he was saying that might have been, listen, it's not my job to run out there and start mentoring Malik. What Malik needs to do is stand up, step up, and start following me. To me, I saw it more as a very positive challenge to the young player to ask him, hey, listen, it's not my job to chase you down, but if you wanna compete, if you wanna grow, if you wanna get better, you will need to come to me. I will mentor you, but the mentorship is gonna be more competitiveness than it is me carrying you or bringing you by the hand to meetings and doing the extra work. You know, I look back to players like Tom Brady. One of his greatest skills was the fact that he mentored all the young players that came in that were a challenge to his job. And I see Ryan Tannehill having a similar makeup in terms of being a good teammate in that sense. Now, Scott, I've been looking through the schedules. It. When I looked at the Kansas City Chiefs, I thought I was in the twilight zone. The first eight opponents <laughs> that the Chiefs faced this season all had winning records in 2021, and six of those games are against playoff teams. Now, Scott, mm. the, the question for you is, does a, does a team or front office feel any pressure when they face like a gauntlet like this that the Chiefs are starting off the season with? Mike, Rob, I, you know, I think that coaches and front office people don't view the schedule the way that fans and the media do. Because really, you know, when we talk about strength of schedule, the strength of schedule is predominantly built on what a, what a team did a season ago. So when you're looking at a team 
in the new season, it looks very different than the team that you faced last year. Your team is different than it was last year. There's so many changes. It's not just the draft. It's free agency. It's also the age of players. Some players are getting older, and that's not good. Some players are getting older and becoming more experienced. That is good. So when we look at the schedule and you're comparing one year to the next and thinking too much or speculating too much, I really don't think that that's something that front offices do and coaches do. They live more in this world of reality. You know, unfortunately, there's going to be players that are injured during training camp, that are injured the first week, the second week. So those teams may not be as strong at the beginning of the season as they may appear to be right now. Yeah, and Scott, we look at a team like the Bengals last year where a lot of people might have circled that as a win, and guess what? Yeah. The Bengals went 10-7 and seven and marched right on to the Super Bowl. That's the NFL. That is why the danger in saying win-loss, win-loss when you get the schedule, I know you guys in the front offices actually look at it in a different way. Scott, awesome having you. We hope to have you on more often this offseason. It was great having your insight, and I agree. The Ravens cleaned up with six fourth yeah. round picks they crushed it it was crazy it was crazy and great to be with you guys again on a tuesday again hopefully we'll do this more thanks great seeing everyone always love having you scott well we loved hearing about some of the things that get him excited well we're talking rookies puppies and even more things that excite us coming up next Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. 
Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my dad. <laughs> <laughs> There's an interesting conversation happening, and it's all about these eight teams, the division champs. Four of them repeated from 2020, and four took the title away from an old rival. The Bengals even went from worst to first. None of us saw that coming in the offseason. This has been an epic offseason so far with lots of turnover and huge superstars changing teams. So, Kyle, I'll start with you. Of these eight division winners, who is the most vulnerable to lose their title in 2022. Let me just step right up and swing out of my shoes here. The football gods do not uh, look fondly or kindly upon teams losing the Super Bowl. You know that. Here is the Cincinnati Bengals, my answer, and what they're up against. Here we go. Teams to return to the Super Bowl after losing the previous one. The Patriots did it. They lost to the Eagles and they got back next year against the Rams. That was in the, the middle of the Patriots machine in which they went pretty much every year. Before that, you got to go back to Jim Kelly Bills. That's the last time someone has done it. So that is what Cincinnati is up against. And if you lose the Super Bowl, the next year is a disappointment if you even lose in a divisional round. I hate to say this because Cincinnati has so much goodwill and they're so likable and they did they built the team right and they got the young stars and the coach who came of age right in front of us. And yet, guys, you also get rewarded with a first place schedule. The, the game is different. You're not the cute little Bengals. You're not sneaking up on anybody. In the last month of the schedule, they're going to go at Tampa, at New England, Buffalo on Monday night, and then the Ravens. They go 2-2 two and two in that. I don't know if they're winning the division. That might be the difference in a playoff loss. There is a naivete that I think is very endearing and yet pretty typical this time of year when you just kind of decide that the losing Super Bowl team is going to be great again. And then you come in and Peter has his insight and his information and points out astutely, and they got better, and they added more players. I get it. I totally get it. There is a thing that happens when you have a magical season like that that is a combination of injury luck, officiating luck, COVID luck, and just good old-fashioned karma in which things went your way. And now when you do them in a division where Baltimore is back and healthy, Cleveland is more talented, and Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh, Cincinnati was an awesome run. I don't think they're going away soon, but they got a lot to deal with this year they did not in the past. It's the season where we worship that team, Peter, every year. But I've been through a lot of these things, and often it goes really tough for that losing Super Bowl team. Why just a Super Bowl loser? How about the Super Bowl winner? What do you think a mental psyche okay. trick it could be when you win a Super Bowl, and now you're looking into training camp, and you walk in there and say, all right, are you as hungry as you were a year ago? I mean, think about what Matthew Stafford did last year, uh, coming from Detroit in 12 seasons of no playoff victories, going on that run. He gets his Super Bowl victory. Sean McVay, after being questioned, is he really the boy genius? After not being able to get back to the Super Bowl yep. after losing to Belichick, he gets his Super Bowl ring. Those guys have had a chance to reflect and have had a chance to enjoy. And then you go right down the list to every one of these players. There's Aaron Donald right there. Yeah, he got his ring. What else does he have to prove? He's a three-time defensive player of the year. He's, he's paid more money than you know anyone else at his position in the history of the sport. Cooper Cup, what's he got to prove? He just won the Triple Crown and Whitworth's no longer there. Like To me, I look at that Rams team and it was so all in for 2022 where we're going to get Odell, we're going to get Vaughn, we're going to get all these players. We're gonna put this dream team together and we are going to prove the doubters wrong. 
Now we're looking at 2023 and it's like, it's hard to just crank that up again and say, we've got to go through the grind of the season yet again. I'm going to use an analogy and a very smart person who has, has won a title has, has talked to me about this. Here is my water jug for the morning, right? Once you win the Lombardi trophy, is it now in your back pocket, in your backpack where like, hey, I've got this in my back pocket and I'm good. Or do you look at that Lombardi, is it here in the reach? Like, I need another one. I want another one. There's somewhere in between back here in your back pocket. I'm good. I can retire. I've got my Super Bowl ring. And wait a second. One's not enough. I need that second one that I think these Rams players and coaches need to really come to terms with. How hungry are you? I think they're a better team than the Niners, the Seahawks, and of course the Cardinals. But I don't know if they've got that same fire and that same hunger. And then you add the fact that they're the team with the bullseye on them. Let's go. Rams, step up. For me, I got to go with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, yes, they went 12 and 5 last year. They went three games, you know, they won the division by three games over the Indianapolis Colts. Well, um, Titans fans, uh, Carson Wentz is no longer in this division. And, and, and look, and I say that by saying, no longer will you get the crazy turnover by some of the quarterbacks uh, from last year in this division, like a Carson, was no longer will you get that crazy turnover in your own end zone and just the easy scores and the bad decisions. Now you have a guy like Matt Ryan in this division. We talked about it earlier on the show about all of his game winning drives and, uh, you know, his experience and he won't make the same mistakes that, uh, you know, Matt Ryan made. Uh, so, I mean, he won't make the same mistakes that Carson Wentz made. When I look at the AFC South, I think the Titans, I, I just don't, teams around them got better. Houston's gotten better. Jacksonville now has Doug Peterson, a capable head coach with an offensive mind. Everybody around Tennessee got better. And the last point I want to make on this, Ryan Tannehill, they drafted a guy, Malik Willis. Yes, you're the starter, but the fact that you feel like you had to respond a certain way, the fact that, you know, now that there's some real competition behind you, what happened when you had competition behind you in Miami? What happened with that situation? I think there's real pressure on Ryan Tannehill, and um, we're going to really, really see if Ryan Tannehill is a franchise quarterback or is that guy for the Tennessee Titans. Well, look, I want to expand a little bit on that, Mike Rob. I think Mike Vrabel's done an outstanding job with that team, but I do think they're a little bit vulnerable in the absence of A.J. Brown, and I think they're more vulnerable not just because of A.J. Brown's absence, but because of what the Colts have done this offseason. I've been talking about Matt Ryan the last couple of days, and I really think you are going to see a re-energized Matt Ryan the same way we saw the Matthew Staffords, the Tom Brady's when they went to other teams. It's more that I just look at this division, specifically the Colts, and I think that they're going to give them a real run for their money. So there you go. It's quarterback week here. Good morning, football. Earlier in the show, Mike Robinson listed his top five quarterbacks in the two-minute drill. Look at he has Josh Allen in the best in the world right now in the final two minutes of a game, then Mahomes, then Brady, then Russell Wilson, yes. then Matthew Stafford. Guys, you will not believe this, but the World Wide Web had opinions. Ruben Dorsey, how is Josh Allen first? <laughs> Double question mark. Everybody else a ring on this list? Question mark. Everybody else has proven so much more. This crazy. Double down. Give me more media. Social variety. Rogers missing dot 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 confused face. That's from PNW Paradise. And Brady has done this too many times not to be one. Then I go Mahomes down, Stafford Burrow. Michael Robinson, take the air and respond to the social media. 
It's all good. Like I said earlier in the show, guys, call me a chimney. I'm here for all of the smoke, okay? I will not run from my decisions and uh, with my list and the top quarterbacks in the last two minutes. Watch what happens this upcoming season, guys. I guarantee you, you're going to see Josh Allen. Go to the damn Super Bowl. Bills Mafia, stand up. Woo! My Ric Flair voice. I like that robot next to Mike is even shook about his list. The robot's like, how do you have Josh Allen number one? (laughs) How can he be ahead of Brady? (laughs) What is going on here? I like that robot. (laughs) Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain unlimited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. If you're ready for an epic family vacation, there's no better place than sunny Orlando. Exciting thrills, never-ending food festivals, fresh new dining experiences, outdoor adventures, and Florida's natural springs, and so much more. Orlando has it all. And Visit Orlando's vacation planners can help you plan the perfect trip. In Orlando, anything is possible, if you can imagine it. And that's what makes Orlando unbelievably real. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. Do you have a digital mindset? Check out Season 3 of This is Digital. Season 3 of This is Digital goes behind the scenes to reveal how digital trends show up in everyday decisions and actions, including driving profitable growth in enterprise software and how the new sports fan experience can drive revenue. Featuring guests like Chris D'Agostino of Databricks and Scott Crable of Tama Bravo. Check out the latest and greatest on Season 3 of This is Digital and learn more at westmonroe.com.